You know, a lot has changed over the last three weeks. It has changed at an incredible speed. Uh, for me, I think um, the, the first major significant thing that happened was when the NBA canceled or uh, rescheduled or whatever the uh, word was used uh, for the rest of their season. And uh, that happened on March 11th, not even one month ago. And ever since that point, it seemed like every day there was huge announcements and big changes coming. And so um, in the midst of all this, it's been hard to keep up with all the changes and transitions. I'm sure your life looks different than what it looked like even a month ago. It's hard to imagine that was just a few weeks ago, right? But in the midst of all this, there's been a lot of disappointments for me as well, and maybe for you too. We're not sure what's going to happen with sports. My children uh, like to play sports, so maybe we were going to start some music lessons, and now all of that has been put on hold. Uh, a friend of ours, their young, their young boy was uh, playing hockey, and he made it to the city championship. There's one game left, and then the season got canceled. So that's disappointing, and I'm sure that you have some disappointments like that as well. But it doesn't take a coronavirus or a worldwide pandemic um, to make us experience disappointments. Disappointments is just a part of living. It's a part of life. We all experience them at some point or another. Maybe for you, uh, it has been at your work when it seemed very obviously you were the next person uh, to be promoted or to be moved to this position and then somehow, for some reason, it didn't happen. Maybe your work shut down, maybe uh, you were laid off or someone else who wasn't supposed to but did anyways, they got that promotion instead of you. Or maybe in your family, um, a, a young child that you prayed for so earnestly has, has grown up and now they're making decisions that disappoint you or you think, well, I wish they weren't doing those things. And so there's a lot of disappointments that we might have. It's just part of living, isn't it? So I'm sure that you can relate to that. So as we look at uh, the passage in Matthew for Palm Sunday, uh, this actually uh, gives us an example of what it looks like for an entire community to be faced with disappointment and even disillusionment when their expectations were not met. And in fact, this palm branch um, today becomes for us, as it did for the people in Matthew chapter 21, a symbol of that disappointment and a symbol of unmet expectations. So why don't we look at that and see what happens to the, that community. Matthew chapter 21, if you have your Bibles, please open, open there. And it was the, the passage that Pastor Sam read earlier. We've already heard a short message about the donkey and the details re related to that. Um, as, as Jesus was making his triumphal entry right into Jerusalem, so many things had been happening. This story is talked about in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And we're looking at the one in Matthew today. But in John, we see that just the, what, the chapter right before uh, Palm Sunday, right before his triumphal entry, Jesus had healed Lazarus. He hadn't just healed Lazarus, but he brought him back to life. And so I'm sure that news must have spread because that's like, wow, who does that? Who is this guy, Jesus, that raises people from the dead? And so already I can imagine the expectations are starting to bubble over and to, to, to well up inside this community. And so Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem. And in this passage, there are at least three areas where we can see these expectations that the crowd, had, they're, they're, they're setting themselves up for disappointment, really, because um, their expectations are not, um, will not be met. So let's look at these um, here. If you have your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 21. 
And we'll start at verse 4 and 5. It says, this took place, okay, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, if you have your Bibles open, there's probably a footnote, right? What is it? Is there a footnote at the bottom? Is there, is there something? Exactly. This is coming uh, from their scriptures, from Zechariah. So this, you, you can see, this, this is the Messiah, the one who is to come and save them from this oppression and to free their land so they wouldn't have to live under the heel, under the foot, under the thumb of the Roman Empire anymore, who would restore them once to greatness and be the king of all kings, is riding on a donkey. So I can imagine maybe some of the, the conversations that night uh, at home, like, do you think this Jesus is our Messiah? Is he the one? I mean, he was riding on a donkey, and that's what these scriptures were saying. So you can see already expectations are being built. As we continue reading, it says, The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and they spread them on the road, maybe like this. Kind of like making a red carpet that you might see in Hollywood for the entrance of this king. This is, they're, 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 ex they're expecting Jesus to come and save them. They're expecting a, a different kind of king than what Jesus was intending. But you can see that th this is a huge welcome. People are anticipating something great. Let's keep reading. And then verse 9 says, The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Again, if you have your Bibles open, you'll probably see this is coming. There's, there's a footnote. Where does this come from? Right, it comes from the Psalms. This is uh, one of the greatest Psalms that was used over and over again. Hosanna. Do you, have, do you have a footnote, that little mark on your Bible? What does Hosanna mean? Saves, right? Jesus saves. Come and save us. Save us from this military regime. Save us from oppression. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Wow. The crowds are anticipating this huge event. They're anticipating this triumph that they've been waiting for for so long. This is one week before Jesus is killed. One week before the crowds are shouting, crucify him. They were expecting a different kind of king. You see, Jesus was not going to be that king. Jesus came not to be served, but he came to, to wash his disciples' feet. He came to serve. Jesus did not come to destroy. In fact, he came and allowed himself to be killed rather than fight back with violence. This was not the kind of kings that people were expecting. You see, sometimes we have these expectations of God, and we think, I, from what I know of God, from what I understand of him, God should act this way. I can expect this from God. And when that doesn't happen, we're disappointed. We expect God to act according to what we want, or even maybe not even what we want, just what we we think he should be doing for us. 
And so this leads us to disappointment with God. And for many of us, it can also lead to just a disillusionment and an abandoning of the faith because he didn't meet our expectations. Why would God allow this to happen to me? If God were loving, why is this happening? If God were good and powerful, why? This doesn't fit what I was expecting of him. And so I do not want anything more of him. Crucify him. Let's get rid of him and move on. What this is showing us here is truth. God doesn't intend to meet our expectations. God didn't come to meet our expectations. As I mentioned before, we, we have high expectations of God. We think we know God better than God knows himself. And so when we're disappointed with him, it can lead to disillusionment. But the truth is, God doesn't intend to meet our expectations, but he does intend to meet our needs. And this is so much greater. We know that God is good and God is loving. And as a good parent, he knows exactly what we need. And so, of course, a good parent is going to do things that the child may not appreciate at the time because it's what the child needs. You know, this isn't a comfortable truth for many of us because we want God to, to meet our, what, what we want. I have desires and I want them to be met. So for example, um, when I'm craving salt and vinegar potato chips, I don't want someone to hand me a bowl of steamed broccoli. Even though that's probably what I need, and even though I know that's what I need, I don't want that. And sometimes it's the same with God. We have these expectations, just like the Israelites did, just like those who are under the thumb of the Roman Empire were expecting a different kind of king. And then when they found out he was not that kind of king, they were disappointed, became disillusioned, and wanted to crucify him a week later. Sometimes we have those same kinds of expectations. And it's not comforting to know that maybe God has something better for us when we're in the midst of those cravings and desires, and this is what I want right now. I want you to give me what I want, what I'm expecting, not necessarily what I need. And so at this time, when maybe our disappointment meter is higher than normal, I, I'd like to encourage you to take some time, and, and maybe we have a little more time right now. Some of us are, are working from home. Uh, some of us have been laid off. And I don't understand why these things are happening. We don't have answers for these. But if God is going to meet your needs, and if God does not intend to meet our expectations, then what is happening right now? I'd like to encourage you to ask God, what are you teaching me? What do you have for me to learn through these disappointments? through these situations that's going on right now. And maybe, maybe some of the things that, that you were doing in the past that you can't do anymore is you realize, I guess I could live without those. Maybe our lives will be different when this all comes back to normal, whatever normal might look like. Maybe some of the changes we're making, even at the church, maybe some of them will continue on. Maybe some of this is, is for good. Maybe God can redeem some of these things. But what do you think God is teaching you? Uh, in this moment. You know, recently my phone became, uh, memory was full. And so some of my apps were very slow and then uh, updating and other things were just so that you need to free up some of the memory in order for this to happen. So I had to go through old apps and um, maybe some old videos and delete them all. So now when I go to, to look at my phone screen, 
the app that used to be in the top right has now been moved. And so it takes a little longer to find it, but I've freed up a lot of memory. There is some apps that I use once a year, but I kept them just in case I needed them again. Well, they've been deleted and I've made up, made some more room. There's more margin uh, in my phone memory. I wonder if God is saying that to some of us. Maybe there's, we, our lives are just full and crammed with too much extra stuff that was taking our focus away from him. And maybe there's a way that God is meeting our needs in all of this. So one thing I'd like to ask you is ask God, God, what are you teaching us through this? You know, at our church, uh, a theme prayer has become um, what has been known as the prayer of Jabez. And we, we've been praying this often in prayer groups and we encourage life groups to pray that for you at home. And the beginning of that prayer is just God bless us. But the prayer doesn't say how. God, please bless us by increasing our budget. Or God, please bless us by bringing us 500 people on Sunday mornings. Or God, please bless us by doing this. It's just simply bless us. We expect God to bless us, but there's no agenda. We don't have uh, certain expectations where we're, we're wanting God to do for us, but God, you know what we need and you love to meet our needs. So God, will you just bless us? And so that's another thing you can be doing, praying along with us, just God bless us. And however you bless us, we will receive that. So this Palm Sunday, I wonder if this palm branch might become for you a, a symbol of disappointment, hopefully not a symbol of disillusionment, but God is good and God loves to meet your needs. He may not meet your expectations. And so we take that to God and ask him, what are you teaching me? God, what are you teaching us as a church, as a community? Have our expectations been misguided? Please, Lord, correct us in these areas and show us how you are meeting our needs in spite of this. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads and pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, thank you for being a good God, a good Father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Lord, we are your children. We are not the parent in this relationship. So teach us to humbly bow down to you, to humbly accept your authority. And God, we know you may not have answers for us, for what we're going through now. But in spite of this, would you use these times to bring us closer to you? Maybe to prune some branches off that were in the way. Teach us, Lord, what you want us to know. What is it, God? that you're trying to teach us? What, what area of our life are you trying to get our attention in? And Lord, we give that over to you. Help us to be faithful stewards of everything you've given to us and correct our expectations when they are misguided. Thank you, God, for giving us what we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.